I was hours into a hunt for new digs at the local shopping mall and losing steam fast when fate intervened. Drumsticks! Get your drumsticks! Nutty sweet drumstick! What luck! One drumstick, please. Here you go. This is hot and made of chicken. I want an ice-cold, creamy, crunchy drumstick Sunday cone. You and me both, buddy. But that's the vendor next door. Drumsticks. But that line is three miles long. Oh, well. Another day, another drumstick. The legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. With blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar. Discover legendary tastes with America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. to Killing Time, hosted by two girls, one goth. I am very excited about today's episode. Me too. We have, like, when you know when the stars align and a lot of prep goes into these Killing Times, and it, like the first degree, I don't know why we've done this to ourselves, but for, for both the first degree and Killing Time, we kind of rely on outside sources to bring us our content. Honestly, and we, like, behold ourselves to this, which is so... We never had to. No, we could have literally been like, we're talking about whatever the fuck we want today. But instead, we're like, no, we're going to have a rigid, principle-based, yeah. like, reason why we discuss things, <laughs> mm-hmm. which have limited us and made life a lot harder. Yes, people have to come to us. It has to be a certain date. It's... it's... Yeah. Well, I mean, even for the first degree, it's funny because, you know, sometimes we get asked, like, why don't you cover this case, this case? It's like, well... We literally can't unless we get somebody that comes to us that's willing to talk about said case. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that easy. We're not like any other. We don't reach out because we're like, we don't want to upset anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't want to talk. And we also just can't cover a case without having an interview. So mm-hmm. we can't, like, not like these other crime podcasts that are out there that can just be like, you know, we're going to talk about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And we're going to pull a Wikipedia and we're going to fucking talk about it. It's like, yeah. we can't do that. We need someone willing and connected enough to talk about it. Yeah. And nope. same and same with killing time. I mean, we didn't have to do this either, but we do. Again, we hate. We're masochists in this. Yeah. Way. We're masochists, but we like being inspired by our surroundings. That's and right. Today was one of. It's like the stars aligned. It gave us something good, and we're really excited to dive into it. So, the dark day. The dark day. Without further ado. Without further ado. December 9th is the day that Michael Peterson called nine one one to say that his wife Kathleen was just found at the bottom of the stairs in their Forest Hills, Durham, North Carolina house slash mansion. Mansion. Mm, Mansion. He said she had fallen down 15, 20, I don't know, stairs. He said he was at the pool and he had come in at around 2.40 to find her at the stairs and said that, you know what? She must have fallen down because... She had drank a lot and also taken some Valium. They were out drinking that night, apparently conversing by the pool. Or having having a just thing. a delightful time. I'm picturing like the southern rich mansion sitch. And then it's like, hmm, someone goes inside and a tragedy strikes. Yes. But as we all know, listening to this, like it's one of the greatest controversies. Of the true crime. Of recent true crime. Of recent true crime. I think everybody has an opinion on the guilt of Michael Peterson, uh, what would follow was obviously a, a wild trial where several things were brought up that shocked people, yeah. including a death of a previous romantic partner who mm-hmm. ended. We will get into later. Ooh. Yes. Also, <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting so excited. Also, get by the way, in a very, very similar situation. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Do we sorry, want sorry, to sorry. kind of go through the series of events that night now, or do we want to save that for later? Let's save it. I think we should save it for you're later. You're right, you're right. But the I whole, you, you know, the, these sort of locked door type mysteries, um, which me and Lex just went through with Unraveled, Mystery at the Mansion, it's, they're very much, there's so much nuance to it, and there's so much family intrigue to it, because... Everybody takes sides, and then it really comes down to the evidence because motivations are here, motivations are there, but it really comes down to what the evidence is. The evidence in this one was unlike, and the evidence, the way the evidence was twisted or turned or whatever it was interpreted, was unlike anything anybody had really ever seen in a murder case. Right. And we're going to get into that. We are going to get into that. Oh, I have a chill. I just thinking about it. I'm intrigued. I can't wait to start talking about it. So, 
until then, we've got some bitching to do. Please rise. Court is now in session. All rise. Call the first witness. How do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? Welcome to On The Stand. Every week, we bring an idea, person, place, or thing, something that is on our mind to the stand. We're either prosecuting it or defending it. And after a nice, hearty discussion, we decide if said thing is guilty or not guilty. So I think I'm going to start today's off. I love this for you. So today, On The Stand, I am bringing the concept of hot alcoholic beverages, ooh, mm-hmm. which is a very wintertime sort of a thing. I don't think anybody is drinking a really, really hot a toddy, a toddy, or, or in a July Irish coffee, or uh, an Irish right coffee now. at the beach, as yeah. you do. It's a very, it's a <laughs> holiday. Doesn't seem like a terrible idea, frankly. No. But I want to see where you're going with this. I first. mean, listen, I can always have something to warm my hands up, even sure. in like 90 degrees. Even here in Billy's cold, cold house, I'm just blowing on my hands. A hot <laughs> yeah. toddy would do me well right now. No, I have cold extremities always. Um, so yes, the concept of a hot alcoholic beverage. I don't think everybody loves them, but I personally adore love. Adore love a hot toddy. Ooh. I was recently sick. I think that there is no, I didn't have COVID. There is no <laughs> better thing to drink when you're sick than a hot toddy. And mm. all hot toddy is some tea of your choice. It can be caffeinated, non-caffeinated. Mm-hmm. Some lemon, fresh lemon. Ooh. Some honey. Oh. And just a couple shots of whiskey. Yes. One yeah. shot or a couple or mm-hmm. a whole, you know, half of it is whiskey, whatever you want to do. The hotness of the beverage, it really cuts with the alcohol yeah. and it makes it go down very, very nicely. So it's nice and smooth. One of my favorite beverages I've ever had was like, I don't know, it was an outdoor thing a couple years ago. And I had like a hot chocolate with like peppermint schnapps in mm. it and like uh, some vodka in it. And it was like a walk around event at the ni- in the cold. Yes. Um, and that was the fucking best, best drink ever. And I'm like, why don't we do this more often? It's like, because we live in Southern California and we're sweating mm-hmm. balls most of the time. <laughs> yeah. That being said, though, when it is cold enough, I live for this. I love a hot toddy. Mm. Yeah. Eggnog is not hot, right? No, but I no. love eggnog. But but there is a hot buttered rum oh. that you can make that is fantastic. It's almost, a, and, and, there, and there is also a... If you want to get to, because, you know, Universal Studios and Hogwarts is right near us. Butter beer, but doing butter beer, they do a hot butter beer, and then you can actually get a shot in the hot butter beer if you bring it into... A shot of what? A shot of, like, whiskey or something. Oh. Yeah, into, if you bring it into uh, the uh, Hogsmeade, uh, what what is the... Everyone's going to kill me for not knowing the name of the uh, the fictional... I know. The thing with the butter... boar's head, something maybe. Yeah, yeah. butter beer <laughs> was a little bit disappointing. I liked it. You do, it's like a cream soda. It was shockingly well. It tastes like root beer and butterscotch. Yeah, it yeah. was like this amazing marriage. I really liked it. I and I don't like shit like this. So I was surprised when I tried it. Finally, after I just went to Hogwarts this year um, as an adult. <sighs> Such and a delight. I loved it. I went for a horror nights, so I hadn't been there before. And I tried a butter beer, and I was like, I was not disappointed. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I love that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. But I am so a Slytherin. If that, I don't know if that shocks some people or it, uh, it not at all. It shocks absolutely no one. It shocks no one. I'm no a true one. Slytherin, <laughs> and I feel good about it. <laughs> um, one of my other favorite hot alcoholic beverages is a mold wine. I think everybody should drink a mold wine. Why do they call it that? It's not good PR for this brand. Mold. Mold wine. Mold. It's not mold. Yeah, but you say it. It sounds like mold. Mold. It's not what you said. <laughs> a moldy wine. That's right. No one wants it. No, mold wine is so good. Mold. Oh. Mold with you. Just, you. Go, just say spiced wine. I uh, think that's, that's, that's spiced wine. Mold yeah, wine. Yeah. I feel like that's just like the classic name for it. Okay. All right. Well, hot alcoholic bevies. Not, not guilty. guilty. No, fantastic. Dude, a resounding yes. not guilty. Let me know what you decide to make, my friends, okay. for I this holiday yes. season. Yes. Mm. All right. Now, I'm going to go. Okay. Let me tell you something. Uh, I'm going to go, you did hot, I'm going to do cold. A cold okay. alcoholic beverages? No, no I'm going to do cold this. This has been a point of contention with me and Alexis for a while. Oh, no. Mm. Okay. Now, when you have a ice tray okay. and you get rid of, and you it's fully full. Oh, God. And then you take out half of the ice cubes, let's say, and then you put them in a drink. Uh-huh. What do you do then? Fill up the ice tray. What if you know you're going to drink in the next uh, 30 minutes? Because then if you crack it open again, those are going to just not be cold. Ooh, I love this. So we need to figure, we need to really cons- consolidate what you're putting on the stand right now. Yeah. What exactly are you putting on the stand? Filling up a half filled 
yes. ice tray. When you know you when you know you're going to be drinking no, again in no, the no, next thirty minutes. No, no, that's too specific. No. Honestly, you're bad at this. You're bad at this. No. Like I love you so much, but like you're really bad at this game. Like you can't be like. And there were sixty caveats. It's like <laughs> no, you filling up an ice cube tray is the fucking normal thing or to do. Not when it's half full though, because then if you use it again, then when you crack the ice, all the the the, the brand you, new you, ice. Yeah, hypothetically is though, gone. you have more than one tray, so like you use the other one mm. so that you can continue. If you and don't. Then, Here's the thing. If you don't have an ice maker, it's the only reason you'd have an ice cube tray. So you need to always be refilling them. Otherwise, you fucking run out. And there's nothing worse than not having ice. Yes. And you are gonna, you never have ice. So you should honestly take this advice. That would be that would be very nice. <laughs> Made it a poem for you. I want, I, you know what? We're going we're gonna to stop right here. I'm going to say uh, guilty. You guys are going to say not guilty. Tell us what you think in the Facebook group because... Um, Let's hear it. Wait, Let's, no, let I'm me still, set this scene. I'll set this scene. I'm also not clear on what he's saying. I know exactly what he's saying, but it's to a very specific... Again, Taylor, who does our social media, I'm so sorry. Love you, I don't Taylor. know how you're going to figure out this slide for our Instagram, but I understand what Billy's saying. If you have people over and everybody's drinking... And you use part of the ice, do you fill up the rest of the ice cube tray? Now, this actually sounds like a really good premise for a Caribbean enthusiasm episode. Because sure. I could feel mm-hmm. Larry David feeling very strongly mm-hmm. about, I don't know which side. Mm. He would say no. I would say, I think no too, because he would try to like crack it and then it would spill everywhere. Yeah, no, yeah. he'd say, I don't relate. I have an ice cube maker. No, but no, I, he, I could no. see he would be on Billy's side for sure. Um, but the problem is then you run out of ice twice as fast and then you're stuck with hot champagne with no ice. And then maybe you just make yourself a hot toddy at that point. Hashtag champagne problems. Okay. So the concept of filling up part of an ice cube tray when you still have frozen ice still in it, I'm going to say not guilty. I'm going to agree. Um, not guilty. I want more ice more of the time. Guilty. All right, Lex. All right, Lex. Your turn. Okay, so also sorry for your loss, Billy. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, as by the way, I'm gonna. I just. I did just remember this. The ground on Billy's kitchen is so fucking wet from like, filling up the ice cube trays. From filling up the ice cube trays, I was just slopping around in there with my bare feet. It's very wet, and well, that explains why like Billy's from- feet are like cold and dead. <laughs> He's probably just sloshing around his ice water all, all over the floor. Yeah, that's what I'm doing all the time. All literally with his like not when not when you guys are here filling up the ice cream trays constantly. Snowshoeing yeah. around his house. Um, okay, so December 9th okay. is where we are. Yes. Thanksgiving just was passed. Christmas is upon us. Mm-hmm. We've got the Jewish holidays. We've got all sorts of things to look forward to. Um, something that you guys might notice when you visit family and friends, some of them might require you to remove your shoes mm. when you arrive. Okay. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And I am fascinated by this concept. I was taught, I don't know by who, but somebody in some productivity fucking conversation I was having was like, hey, I'm more productive at home if I have shoes on. Oh. And I'm realizing this is true. If you wake up, even if you're in your jammies and you put your shoes on, if you're working from home, for example, you immediately just are more productive. Okay. Because you're not in this mode that like I can't move. You're you're you have shoes on, you like go take the trash out. You're just a lot less inhibited with like the things you're gonna do. Okay. So like I love having shoes on inside. Like a sneaker. A sneaker or or truly anything. Like I even like an Ugg? An Ugg is perfect. Um, but like I love the like some people don't allow shoes in their home. Yeah. And I am putting that on the stand. I think that people need their shoes to feel safe, feel productive. <laughs> and like, I get that you're dragging germs in. Like that is not lost on me. But like that being said, we're exposed to so many germs, so many other ways. I don't know that that's yeah. going to be the make or break. Yeah. Unless you have white carpets. And even then, shame on you. For having carpet. I think like shoes, people, if you're having people over, you can't make people take their shoes off. You know what? Uh, I'm going to say that we, you know, we've conflated because we do work at home. We, we never used to work at home. Yeah. We all used to work. So home was supposed to be a sanctuary. It was someplace that you could relax. And there are certain Not people. And but so, some yeah. people have always worked at home. And there's certain people in certain cultures that they want you to take, take off your shoes. Yeah, so I remember that um, my one of my very first friends in kindergarten, Henry Hong, went to his house, had to take off your shoes. Yeah. And it was cool. I was into it. You know what I mean? Just like you, do, you didn't like it at first because it's like it felt weird to be in somebody else's house without your shoes on. But then eventually you got into it. 
I'm I don't I don't particularly do it in my house, but I'm all for it. Anything that makes um, the, uh, the the experience of going to somebody's house kind of different or or whatever, and makes everybody comfortable, um, I'm all for it. I would say unless there, you know, there is a cultural reason for you to have that or unless you literally have white carpets in your entire home and having a shoe touch those would make a massive problem, problem. then like, People, people want their fucking shoes. And if you remember the Sex in the City episode with Carrie Bradshaw going to the baby shower, her sh- her Manolos were stolen because oh. they ha- they forced her to take her shoes off. Yeah, and then the the host had to pay for them. Mm. Don't put your don't be that person. Also, it's really easy to clean hardwood floors or any hard hard any surface. So a sneaker or a shoe in a place with a hard, just don't have people do a over. Like if you're that uptight. Don't have people over. Ooh. Like, I'm just like, you're obviously mm. plagued by this, like, fear. Mm. Maybe entertaining at your home is not for you. Because I bet you that isn't where your fear lot ends. I bet you there's more. It's manifesting. Well, it was in the same, like, there's other episodes of Sex and the City where it's like, you can't drink brown things at this home. It's like, you're probably the same person who doesn't want shoes at your house. So, like, maybe rent a hall and have people there instead. Okay. So, as far as the matter of... Having people over and requiring to remove their shoes, I'm going to call that fucking guilty. Guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> what? Because he's not wearing shoes. Alexis is wearing shoes. She's the only one. No, I'm not. Requ- I'm not. I'm. I don't require well, it in I'm my house. I'm sorry. You wore Croc sandal. You, you didn't wear shoes. I didn't wear shoes that could be easily removed. Well, that's why I wear easily removable shoes because I know I'm going to be somewhere. I'm going to want to kick them off. And that's your right. Feet she, freezing. Yeah. That's she never knows when she's going to going to have yeah, to jump Jack, on a plane. Jack is miserable. What kind of host are you? <laughs> Jesus. Okay, well, <laughs> when we come wear, back... Yeah, wear, wear a first-degree sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> she is. That's right. When we come back, it is time for some True Crime Rewind. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus, and I couldn't practice enough, and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways, and with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences, and before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Stodd, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 
10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Yeah, it's rewind time. Welcome everyone to True Crime Rewind. Like we said at the top of the show, today is December 9th, and this is when Michael Peterson claimed that he found his wife Kathleen unconscious at the bottom of their stairs in their Forest Hills mansion in Durham, North Carolina. Yes. Now, an autopsy said that the uh, 48-year-old woman, Kathleen, she had multiple injuries, including fracture of the superior cornu of the left thyroid cartilage and seven lacerations on the top and back of her head. Now, they said that this was consistent with a blunt force trauma. Like yeah. something hit her. The prosecution said that. Yes. And the blood loss actually happened about 90 minutes after sustaining the injuries. Like she had died from that. At, you know, she, she was basically just bleeding out while this was happening. So she, yeah, okay. She, she didn't die right. immediately. Right. So the prosecution said that the murder was most likely committed with a fireplace poker called a blow poke. Now, this blow poke uh, they were looking for, and it was missing from the house during the investigation. So but, they're like that. Sh- that that must oh, be that, it. That what must else be could it? the he, murder weapon? And be? the reason why they know about this blowpoke is because the sister of Kathleen had given it to her that last Christmas and said, "Like I saw it by the fireplace, they used it." And apparently, at the scene, this blowpoke was not where it was supposed to be, and it became a focal point of this investigation and this trial. And they're thinking the blowpoke is what made the lacerations on her head. Yes. Exactly, because it like aligned in some way. Right. And it was a custom made blowpoke. So, but then. Later in the trial, the defense team actually finds the blowpoke, and they said that it was in the garage. You guys missed it, and it was covered in like cobwebs, yeah. so it looked like yeah. it hadn't been moved. So there's no way that they could have been like it had been planted yeah. it right. or anything. It had been untouched for a really long time. Now, on top of that, so the defense also brought out Henry Lee, who we've spoken to before, and he said that you know. Uh, testifying about blood spatter. So there was a lot so of blood. He, is Henry Lee a blood spatter expert? He, he's a forensic expert. Forensic he does expert. he does a bunch of stuff, not just blood spatter. And he said that the blood spatter that was at the bottom of the stairs was consistent with a fall, an accidental fall. So, Which, by the way, we need to... I've, obviously, if people aren't that familiar with this case, there was a fuck ton of blood. A lot like, of blood. There was blood all over the walls, all over the ground. Like... That was one of the things when I first watched it. I was like, this person looked like they were fucking beaten to death because there. I didn't realize there'd be so much blood from a fall sure. if there was. Like, sure. it was everywhere. Yeah, it was bad. So, Awful. Y- yes, exactly. So, that was where we were at now. Um, as far as, y- you know, remember, he had said that she had fallen down the stairs after consuming um, a bunch of drinks and also drinking Valium. And uh, he eventually, uh, after he was convicted in 2003, the jury said, no, you know what? He killed his wife. But after eight years, he was granted a new trial because they said that the prosecution witness, a critical witness, had actually given misleading testimony. And then that's going to get us into some of the theories that had come out during the trial and then during the second trial. So one of the first things that I think I want to talk about is the blood spatter kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Because if you watch the staircase, you kind of see there is this rec- video recorded thing of these blood spatter people, quote unquote experts, experts, that are trying to, you recreate know, the blood recreate and prove that the blood spatter would be from a homicide. Right. So we see them trying to recreate blood spatter that is consistent w- with what they found at the scene. And Unfortunately, though, the whole thing was filmed and they had to try over and over and over. And when they finally get it dozens of times after that, they're like cheering because they're like, we did it. And it's like, but it's indicative of of the fact that like blood spatter in a certain pattern can can come about in several ways. And you shouldn't have to try so hard to recreate it if, if this is a person's life on the line. Yeah, right. Um, well, and that's it. There was a, I remember there was this one 
kind of like scene in that that this guy was he had like a knife against his shirt and he was trying to do this like curved sort of a move where it would have the knife print curved in blood and he had to do this like perfect little like swoop on his shirt and it's just like when you kind of think about these expert witnesses witnesses they're like trying their goddamn hardest mm-hmm. to prove something that they want to prove like that it's so ass backwards yeah um, I struggle with it a lot because in this case in particular, uh, the Michael Peterson case, I think is so fascinating and um, demonstrates how how much you have to scrutinize evidence on both sides because neither make him seem guilty or innocent to me. Like, no. like her falling organically down the stairs and him beating her to death still in my head shouldn't have that much blood. Like no. there's literally no reason for it. And I think it's just one of those things where it's like sometimes things just defy our understanding mm-hmm. Yeah, and in a fall down the stairs in such a way that just hits the wrong artery could create that much blood. That being said, he, is he such an expert criminal that he did this and got away with it? There's no murder weapon other than this blow poke that hadn't been used. Like neither incriminate or, um, convict him yeah. to me like that's but that's but, why yeah. that's why expert testimony is so scary because like there's no it's obvious outcome it's, it's too subjective it's like fucking insane yeah. too subjective so then um you know theories started coming about so in 2009 a friend of the petersons a guy named larry pollard who was an attorney he re-examined the evidence and he said that he had found these owl feathers and pine needles in Kathleen Peterson's hands, in her fists. He comes up with the idea that an owl attacked Kathleen, causing her to run inside the house, trips, falls over, hits her head, goes down the steps, and then um, on the the first part of the steps, actually, and then falls down. Now, also said that the lacerations were consistent of those talons. Like, basically, what he's saying is that she's trying to pull this it this, was like latching onto her latching hair. Latching onto her hair. Her head. Yeah. He's try, she's trying to pull it off, and then that's what's going on now. Now, they brought in some bird experts. They said, yeah, it's possible. And it's very that's where possible. We're at. Like, literally, I'm on um, Komon News, which is like a San Juan Island, Washington local newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This is 2020, Friday Harbor, which is where my grandma lives. Hey, Grandma. Aggressive owls are attacking visitors to the San Juan Island National Historic Park. And officials are warning people to exercise caution. Officials say owls usually do not attack humans in the fall. But this year, owl attacks have also been reported elsewhere in Washington State. So it's like, it's a thing. It's a thing to be attacked by an owl. This is not not a thing. I'm curious to know about these feathers he found there was like microscopic feathers like there's feathers in her yeah. fist I, I struggle with this microscopic aspect uh, yeah microscopic mm-hmm. is hard because microscopic shit could be I could get have something on me str- from and that's Europe the, that's mm-hmm. the thing it makes that's a shaky sort of evidence for me I'm mm-hmm. like microscopic okay yeah we all have microscopic Sorry, shit everywhere it was tiny owl fe- feathers it wasn't microscopic yeah. and pine needles gripped in her fists that is so something gripped in your fist is pretty pretty crazy yeah because right. if you're trying to reach, because like imagine an owl's talons are digging into your neck and head. You're obviously going to be reaching, trying to grab it off you. Mm-hmm. But would you have a microscopic feather? I feel like I'd have a wing in my hand. Mm-hmm. Like Also, what about the, or as, I mean, I'm sorry, just a tiny. I feel like I'd have like chunks of feathers in my hand if, if this owl was fucking killing me. Yeah. Right. Well, and also, well, I just have a question. I'm, I don't even know if any of us know this. Like, um, from what I know, I don't think she had any like defensive wounds on her, right? Not that I know of. That anybody so. knows of. And then but then also like the aspect of like like having like a fist. Like if you're trying to like protect yourself from somebody attacking you, do you think that your hands would maybe in be well, in like an open also more of a, uh, also fist member is a you know, you could fall down and like your hand kind of like goes like into clutches, a fist or yeah. stuff like that. That so. being said, none of this is relevant if like she's attacked and she doesn't know it. That's true. And she hits her fucking head and it's suddenly like yeah. once your head once you've hit your head, like you don't know how the yeah, level of disorientation you've experienced. Totally. So it's like she could have been like, Well, hit the owl and maybe maybe plucked one, but like right. you're not in yeah. the same defensive um Well, not also you're falling down the stairs, so it's like whatever normal dude, things okay. that your body would that do. That woman bled, so it's like she would have had to have sustained immediately after the salad attack a hit to the head, which yeah. made her like 
incapacitated to the degree where she couldn't have pulled feathers out. You right. know, now, again, this is an example of like how nuanced the possibilities and how, like, of un- crime scenes are. And okay. unknown. Yes, but now we're going to take you to some other evidence that might say the owl theory is hogwash because. In the 1980s, Michael Peterson lived in Germany. He was stationed there with his first wife and their two children. And they go to a dinner party. Michael was one of the last people to leave. And a family friend named Elizabeth was found dead at the bottom of the stairs in a pool of blood. Very, very similar to Kathleen Peterson. Yeah. And they, I think we're all living on the same they lived like right with them in yeah, like a like neighboring a, property. It was a very close family. Yeah. Of theirs. So it was like, but they were living, it's relevant because they were living like next door or something within this close proximity to mm-hmm. this family. friend. R- right. Now here's one of the things is that Peterson actually promised to take care of Elizabeth's daughters um, and ended up adopting them. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of odd too. They initially said that she had a brain hemorrhage and then she fell down the stairs. Well, she was, prone to aneurysms she had uh, a history of aneurysms in her family so i think what people chalked it up to when that happened was like she had an aneurysm and she She fell down the stairs and that's sort of what everyone accepted but during the murder trial of kathleen they actually exhumed elizabeth's body and did another autopsy and they said this was homicide they couldn't prove it was michael but you have two women that he knew did very well, what did they base, what at the did they bottom base those findings of the... On? Okay. Well, the thing I... That's interesting to me about that. Like, obviously, that's the craziest fucking coincidence. But I don't know what his motive... If, like, if he did that to Elizabeth, like, I don't know what the motive was. I don't see one. There wasn't any clear motive at all. It didn't seem like he was having an affair with her. Like, there was no, like, monetary thing. He ended up taking her... No. It's just... He ended up raising her children, but, like, I don't think he would want to do that. It's just something that is is brought up because it is an amazing... Pretty amazing coincidence. I agree. And I think like people are going to take that kind of risk, like ruin their lives, go to prison. Like you got to really fucking want to do it. Yeah. And I just don't, there's no reason to here. Now, now, there was also another thing too, is that um, the daughters of Kathleen had learned that he was in a gay affair. Yeah. And that he was bisexual. They initially believed that he was innocent. Once they learned this, they turned and then said that he was guilty. But it wasn't even a fair. It was literally just sex. Like, it was like he was hiring someone. Yeah. He wasn't in an emotional affair. It right. was just like a, well, but, he was hiring sex workers. But then his, I mean, what he was saying too is that um, Kathleen knew about it and she was okay about it. But of course the prosecution is like, here's your motive. Like she just found out about it. She was on the computer and she found something from the... No, they crafted this narrative yeah. that was like explained how this happened this night. And what would help them is that the family was like, she never would have been okay with this. And his argument was like, she knew and she accepted mm-hmm. me for who I was. Yeah. The reason why no one knows is because the stigma mm-hmm. and, and she didn't want to subject herself to that judgment. Right. Both are, both can be, honestly, t- this is the thing with this case. I'm like, both make do I have I friends. No, I have friends who have partners, male partners who are by, um, where they're like, well, they used to sleep with men, but like, and I like, they don't want any, like they're telling me and it, it is still shocking because we're not used to hearing about it. Um, do I judge it? No, no. but it's not the norm yet. It's still, there's a taboo aspect um, for, and I think years ago, decades ago, like yeah. it kind of tracks with what he's saying. That being said, it could be totally, lo- totally made up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who fucking knows? But both can be true. And that's why these cases divide people in, in perplex people. And then, yes. And then finally, the last thing is, was there an insurance policy? Yeah. And there was. How much? $1.8 million in life insurance. Everybody pointed to that and said, you know, the family actually, they were, they were carrying $142,000 in debt and credit card and credit line debt. $1.8 million could have been the reason for potentially doing this. Which again, I think is so interesting. I mean, it goes again back to like the conversation that we had with pain where it's like once you start digging into people's personal lives and their shit, like there's always going to be something that you could say as a motive for literally anything, anything, anything. not. Dude. And again, with this case, 
it really is the one case that I don't have an opinion on. Like, I don't think I know enough. I don't think there's enough information that like everybody has been given to make an actual opinion on if he did it or not. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But like, of course, everybody has weird shit going on behind the closed doors. They really do. Well, the reason he was giving the opportunity for an Alfred plea, which is what he ultimately took, which says, you know, which says, you know, I'm pleading guilty to this Alfred plea because there is enough evidence to convict me. But I didn't do it. Yeah. Um, the reason he's doing that is because, like, the character sort of assassination against him for his bisexuality, it's kind of unconstitutional. And if he had a really good lawyer, they would have nipped that in the bud initially. Not all lawyers do. Um, but like, but it, if you remove that aspect, there's very little against him. And also... In terms of conclusive evidence, especially excluding the blowpoke, which was, like, yeah. bunk... Because again, the the so the expert who came up with that with that evidence had no experience. Right, he never should have been testifying to this. Going back to like the affair thing, like it is also interesting because it was with a man. Like if it was with a woman, would it have gotten the attention that it did? If he was just having a, a non emotional like. I, th- I think it would have. Yeah, I mean, look we, at Scott we saw the same thing, or, oh, that's da- true. or David Cam, like, like which we just covered. Yeah, well, Revel, there was you know? no one person, but just adultery. It just colors. Yeah. So as much but as wait, Scott Peterson was way sketchier than he was. Well, yeah, like, he was literally on the phone with his mistress <laughs> during the vigil for his wife. So yeah, it's no, a lot the, different. It, it is different. <laughs> but I think like what people need to realize is that like you can't you can't condemn a person for murdering someone based on their sketchy character flaws. Yes. Exactly. Like, cause everyone's sketchy in their own way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's again, I just like, I don't know. I still don't know. I don't know either. And I think it's impossible to know at this point because like what I need everyone to hear is that like every, uh, shred of evidence that you hear through the media of someone's guilt or possible innocence is through like a thousand lenses well, and also, it's the media that's paid. Like, but like of course, there's going to be some well, media's, angle. Media is not paid by like. It's just more every lens. Like the detective has a lens. The detective right. thinks you're guilty. Everything coming out of that's going to seem guilty. The prosecutor thinks you're guilty. Everything will. Like, there's no way to stop this sort of let. Like, yeah, no, you, no, 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 you can saying. never see something in an, in a, a truly objective way. Because it's been put through several fucking lenses yes. of people's opinions. Well, and then also the fact that, like, you have to go back to, like, the fact that everything is done by humans. And there's human error in in everything that they're doing, that they're saying. And then if you're compounding human error on top of human error on top of human error on, on top, top of, of opinion, bias. On top of opinion. opinion and like confirmation bias and all that stuff it's just like it's like shit gets so fucking warped that's why you should always fucking reserve your judgment unless you're in the fucking courtroom yeah unless you're in the court and even then and even then like you have to realize the everything that the police present to the defense attorneys and the prosecutors they only say what they want like you don't know the truth literally unless you are Mm -hmm. fucking there well that's the thing unless it's like it's been videotaped. You have a fucking confession and you have DNA. It's like, I can't believe anything. I know. And even worse, like I'm just learning about DNA in the sense yeah. that like it, parts of it are subjective. Right. Did you know that? Only through you. Like parts of DNA are fucking objective. When you're dealing with multiple DNA samples, how they're analyzed and what, what no. relation they could have to each other you, yes. is subjective. Yes. You, you have to say that though. And you have to say also when you're dealing with touch DNA though, but you can't, we, we can't go out and say like part of it is subjective and just lay it out there without a bigger uh, conversation about it. Though. Meaning what? <laughs> Meaning that it throws. Part of it is subjective. Sure. Part of it is subjective, but most of it isn't. Um, listen, so DNA was obviously supposed to um, when you're dealing with big, po- like big DNA samples, like comparing this blood against that blood, that's mm-hmm. super easy and mm-hmm. easy. It's when we're dealing with multiple samples all mixed together mm-hmm. and how those are analyzed. Right. That it analysis is subjective. Like if there was a murder with defensive wounds and people's blood was mixed together, is that what you're saying? Several samples. Yeah. And if you're like, it's mostly it's yes, but it's mostly with touch DNA. Even if it's, if, if there's a woman that potentially has had five sexual partners, yeah. That is a lot less subjective. That you can actually figure out a lot more. Figure it's out usually the what? It, figure out, separate the DNA samples and figure out who, you can, who they but like, are. If a woman had several sexual partners and they get, they can be like, she had sex with several people. Sure. But you can't know who did who, it. Who did it? No, but you can still identify them though. Where the, the place that it gets 
that that it gets really tricky is the matter of um, uh, of touch. The number DNA. of alleles and the, in the, each and the sample number, and the num- and the number of touch and how it's DNA. analyzed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll said, get into that. Sorry. We will, that's for another. That's for another episode. But for now, we are going to hear about the worst things that you people have all done. Dun dun dun. Bum bum. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun. FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Hello, worst people ever. We're so excited to have you. And we're so excited. I mean, I'm so excited. I, I listened to a bunch of uh, the call submissions we got today. And I was really thrilled because a lot of you explained that what you had done has been plaguing you for a long time. Mm. And you're like, I regret this forever or, or not. This one in particular that I'm so excited for you all to hear. I actually love, I love this. And I hope you never regret what you've done because this, you are a woman of my own heart. I can't wait. Ugh. Billy? Excited? Very excited. Yeah, he looks riveted. Stand by. Hello, Alexis, Jack, and Billy. Okay. Here is the story of the worst thing I've ever done. So, a little bit of backstory I was raised in a very, um, conservative mainstream religion like I was able to go to public school but like and wear pants but I wasn't allowed to have a steady boyfriend and it was strongly discouraged for you to have friends outside of the religion right unless you were trying to convert them and that'd be fine um but anyway I get married at 18 because that's what you did and the abuse started physically, emotionally, sexually on our wedding night, which super sucks. So I go through this marriage for almost two years. I hit rock bottom. I leave my ex-husband in the church at the same time. And I haven't access to no resources. I live in a pretty rural area. My family is all a part of this church. So I'm living out of my SUV. I go and I get a job. And so I'm doing that. And I start to make friends through my job, which, okay, cool. So I get invited to this party. I go to the party. Pretty cool people. They're all super nice and chill. We're drinking, we're hanging out, there's a bonfire, that kind of thing. I meet this guy, super nice. So, you know, one thing starts to lead to another, and we decide to kind of sneak off into the woods a little bit. So, um, because I'm living out of my SUV, but because it's cluttered with shit, I don't want to really offer that up. So, I grab a blanket out of my car, and then we go out into the woods, we hook up. It's fun. We go back to the party. All good, right? So about a day or two later, I start to notice there are some issues with my nether bits downstairs. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, we use protection. I'm freaking out because I'm thinking it's an STD, that kind of thing. So I go to my OBGYN and 
she examines me and then she's like, so my OBGYN looks at me and is like, hey, it's not an STD. Um, are you allergic to poison ivy? <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I am a lot. Turns out poison ivy oil will go through a blanket if there's not a waterproof membrane. So I had poison ivy, excuse me, poison ivy all up in my badge, all over my thighs, everything covered in it. So I'm like, wow, okay. She prescribed me a steroid. I'm waiting for the prescription to be filled. It's a big prescription. I ended up having to take it up two months. But anyway, so I'm waiting for the prescription to be filled. This is all when I'm separated from my first ex-husband and waiting for the divorce finalization to happen. The day after I'm diagnosed with poison ivy all over my crotch, um, we have our final divorce hearing. We're there. And my super shitty abusive ex, after all the proceedings are done, looks at me with a shitty ass grin, nods towards his truck and is like, hey, want to have a car quickie to like as goodbye sex? And I look at him and I go, yes, yes, I do. So we go into his truck and we have quote-unquote, goodbye breakup sex, and I leave full well knowing he's going to have poison ivy dick in about 24 to 48 hours. And then I also went and changed my phone number with my cell carrier, and he didn't know where I was living because I was living out of my car, and it was transient at the time. So I don't know exactly if he – I'm sure he figured out eventually. But, yeah, so – the version of that story that I usually have told people cuts off before I gave my poison ivy dick. So here's my uh, suggestion to everyone out there. One, if you're going to have sex in the woods, make sure you can identify the plants that you're going to do it on top of. And two, if you accidentally get poison ivy all over your crotch, Make sure you find someone who really deserves it to give it to them, too, because they fucking deserve it. Anyway, I love the show, guys. You're amazing. Hope. <laughs> oh, you enjoyed it. <laughs> Bye. Oh, my gosh. There are so, <laughs> so many things. So much to unpack. There's so much I love about this story. First of all, you broke out of a very, like, uh, restricting, abusive, abusive. religion. Yeah. All yeah. at once, you, you broke away from your family and your husband and decided to live in your car to, to escape a, an abusive situation. Holy shit. Congrats to you. And many accolades to you for having the strength to do that. Cause I don't know that I would. Yeah. Um, second of all, you were like living your best life and like having some fun, sexy hookups in the woods and shit like that. Also congrats to you. You deserve that after such a constricting sort of, uh, chains, chains, if you will, mm -hmm, prior. Mm -hmm. And you got poison Ivy, which is, Awful. Awful. I'm from the East in Coast. The, in the lady parts. Dude, Awful. I'm from the East Coast. I've gotten poison ivy. I've, I've gotten poison sumo. I've gotten all the poisoned rashes you can get. Yeah. Uh, from like rolling around in the woods a lot. I feel you. And it is a true fucking nightmare. Ugh. Uh, that being said, I um, appreciate, I appreciated your whole... The, the outcome of, of what happened after that final divorce proceeding, because like you were in an abusive situation and if he got a rash, then he deserves it. I mean, again, it's one of these that's straight out of a movie. Yes. I think after a few years, we should probably like write a script for a TV show, right? Because <laughs> the stories write themselves like this is insane. Yeah. Insane. And honestly, like, not the worst thing you could have ever done yeah. to a piece of shit that fucking deserves it. And who yeah. abused you? Yeah. 
I mean, it's the least he deserves, he, done. he deserves way worse. Yeah, and he deserves to probably and, be in jail. And what yeah. kind of entitlement does this guy have to actually ask for that at the divorce proceedings? Yeah, honestly, say, he got what he deserved just for honestly, that. Honestly, for I, that one, he tempted action, fate. He tempted fate. He like, tempted fate. For mm-hmm. him to be like, "Oh, I abused you. I treated you like shit for so fucking long. Also, I deserve one last fuck. Go fuck yourself." Not only that, like we're in a proceeding to like a divorce proceeding. It's not like we just gave each other. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're no, in court, it's done. If you're in court though it means that like it hasn't been necessarily easy i don't think no and it's like mm, he deserves all no, i got girl and i love your, your i love your story poison ivy yeah. dick probably p-o-d limp. it's like Pro- the band probably limp <laughs> poison ivy dick that's right i oh, know that's p p-i-d that's right <laughs> the limp the limpest of the poison ivy dicks wow that no, being said um we are on to uh, are we on to the Costanza Stanzi? We can what, go yeah, jump what, right into the Costanza. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Is that what we have next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else do you think we have next? Well, I don't know. Something we haven't brought up yet. Like, I know this whole owl concept. Oh yeah. OG firsties, we want to remind you, like, we hadn't the owls were sort of like our mascot for a while. We were thinking it, it didn't really take off the way we hoped. Mm-hmm. But like Yes, it did. Underground. The mm-hmm. OGs know. Yeah, the OGs know about the owl. They know about the owl poem. Sure. Um, so I wanted to like give a little nod to the OGs and be like, mm, this Costanza Stanza, the, the subject, well, the title of the poem is called George as an owl, <laughs> <laughs> George as an owl. Uh-huh. Okay. And here I go. Let me get my posture just right. Looking at George, he looks just like an owl, but instead of a beak, he wears a petulant scowl. Mm. But he's not really a bird. He's a man on the prowl. But he has no feathers, (laughs) rather massive jowls. Oh, my God. Okay, but let's be real. If George were a bird, he'd not be an owl. He'd be slower, plumper, a tastier fowl. (laughs) If George were a bird, what would he be? For sure, a raw chicken or a Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) One of the best. You know what? Okay, when we put a our, mouth-watering stanza, if you will, when we put our our Costanza stanzas <laughs> as a book one day, we need to have somebody illustrate it. Yes, honestly, will you guys start submitting? We need this. We need because I think yes, that, like, you can, we need our artists. Like there is a perfect illustration to go along mm-hmm. with this poem, like George Costanza as a raw chicken. Mm-hmm. Well, or it's like it's literally like it's very, Kramer very close to Kramer as, as, the, as the turkey. turkey. Remember? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. A tastier fowl. All of that. Yes. Uh, Thank you for your support during this difficult time. (laughs) Bye-bye. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.